God, our helper, by your Holy Spirit, open our minds that as the scripture is read and your word proclaimed, we may be led into your truth and taught your will for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Today's scripture reading is from Micah, sixth chapter, one through the eighth verse. It can be found in the Sanctuary Bible on page 866 of the Old Testament. Listen now for God's living word. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains. Let the hills hear your voice. Hear you mountains, the controversy of the Lord and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? And what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I bought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak and Moab devised, and what Balaam son of Beor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts and what of the Lord. Shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? I told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, as we approach the word proclaimed, let us do so with prayer. Let us pray. Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action. Guard us from words without life. And grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. This morning we read a scripture from the prophet Micah. We don't often spend a lot of time in the prophets, but in scripture, the prophets call humanity back to God and back to themselves. When human life is marked with conflict, struggle, or despair, the prophets call us back to life and to wholeness and to grace. The prophets of the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, they don't spend their time predicting the future. They're not fortune tellers. Nor do they solely speak about social conditions in the world. Instead, the prophets imagine alternative possibilities for human communities, for communities of the people of God. The prophets invite people to leave behind old assumptions, 
the prophets encourage people to discard thinking that is burdensome. The prophets imagine a new life, a courageous life, a life of love, a life And so the prophets move humanity from judgment to hope. And the prophets ask humanity to move from judgment and despair to healing hurt and to living faithfully. What the prophets imagine are different versions of the world that we live in. These are different worlds that are the consequences of living in God's ways, ways that God would have people live. Now, the prophets imagine worlds that are at times bleak, desert dry, despairing, which comes from, a hu- from when human communities are living apart from God and living in disconnection, disunity with one another. Now, the prophets also imagine worlds of justice, hope, of flourishing, that comes from human communities living together in God's presence. So when the prophet Micah asks, what does the Lord require of you? The prophet offers an answer, an answer that is assumed that the people would know, which is to say that they would do justice. They would love kindness. That they would seek to walk humbly with God. Now justice is part of God's nature. Reading through the scriptures, one realizes that justice is something that God does. Justice connects and reconnects communities. Justice makes right what has gone wrong. Justice redefines social orders in order that equality become possible. Kindness... Kindness is something that we love when we experience it. Kindness is something that we are called to share, not hoard. And this kindness, this kindness that Micah speaks of, has a quality of of offering to all the people we meet, this kind of loving generosity, this kind of goodness. This kindness that the prophet names is a kind of goodness that can make something failing or something broken, something flawed, live again. And to walk humbly, to walk humbly suggests an openness to God's vision in the world, God's vision for the world. Walking humbly involves a kind of, of reverence for God, a kind of honesty that's lived out, and a desire for what God desires even if it's better for someone else than for ourselves. Now, while the prophets point to another world that God envisions, it primarily points to the world that we live in. The prophets imagine new possibilities for the life of the world, for our lives. And Micah speaks some very basic instructions for our participation to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with God, kind and humble. The complex part of the prophet's instruction 
is that such transformation, such experiences of transformation through justice, kindness, and, and humility, that these things don't happen through recipes or checklists. There are no five-point plans to get there. God does not call a task force to design the outcome. There's no instruction manual for hopeful resolutions. The messy, complicated truth is that a transformed world requires transformed people. And we, we are the ones who make the faithful commitment for such a transformation. It requires that we see like the prophet, that we try to imagine God's vision for the world, and we are called to do this through justice and kindness and walking humbly with God. We are called to imagine God's dream for the world, and then we are called to share it, and we are called to go out and live such a vision, live such a dream. And I know when we speak in such terms, it sounds like responsibility for ancient prophets or legendary the leaders of God's vision and God's dream are not just those. It includes the people who faithfully listen and follow God's voice above other voices, like the people who, of God who inhabit the church. Now, essential to Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision of the world was an understanding that the prophetic imagination of God's world belonged in the hands of faithful final people. final sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church, a sermon that he preached that was titled, The Drum Major Instinct. He focused on a scripture that reads, Whoever wants to become great among you must first be your servant. King preached about serving God by serving humanity, by serving one this another. This is what King said. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful. But recognize that the one who is greatest among you shall be your servant. There's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, King said, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato or Aristotle to serve. You don't need to know about Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't need to know the second theory of thermodynamics of physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace generated by love. And you can be that servant. The people of God, the church, is called to serve, is called to participate in making the world look more like the one that God envisions, the one that God dreams of. Now, some people out in the world have been participating in such an activity. I think some of them don't know that they have. 
Now, if you're a person on social media, you probably have seen people participating in what's been called the 10-year challenge. It's pretty simple. A person takes two pictures, one from 2009 and a photo from 2019, and puts them together and posts them on social media. I know for some it's been an exercise in showing how much they have aged or in those blessed with certain genes, how much they have not aged. Others, though, others saw it as an opportunity, an opportunity to consider how they have grown, how they've grown wiser, or how they've learned new skills, how they've developed new relationships, and some organizations some nonprofits, even some churches have participated in the 10-year challenge. They did so to look at what, over the course of 10 years, the people related to their mission have accomplished or sought to accomplish. It showed some dreams that these organizations have. Some of the 10-year challenges that I found most compelling are local, are close to home, There were some 10-year challenges that showed streets and neighborhoods of Detroit. They were compelling. Some looked at development or lack of development. Some looked at renovations or updating. There were healthy changes to our city. There were also unhealthy changes to our city. Nevertheless, people were trying to consider what 10 years can do to change a person, a place. Now, if we were to listen to Dr. King, if we were to hold these words close to our lives, these words which King said, if we only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love, and if we can be those faithful servants, then we can live as a people with a prophetic imagination. And so rather than taking the 10-year challenge that looks back to 2009, we could use our prophetic imagination to do a 10-year challenge that looks out to 2029. And if we were to look at our lives, our personal lives, we might ask, what can I learn in 10 years? How might I grow in a decade? my faith? be like in practice 10 years from now? How do I imagine justice and kindness and walking humbly with God to be a part of my own life 10 years from today? Now, if we were to think in terms of our neighborhood, what would our schools look like in 10 years? What would Jefferson Avenue, this road, this stretch of road that connects us to so many parts of the city on the east side, what would it look like in 10 years? What will access to fresh and affordable food look like in the neighborhood in 10 years? What will our churches and our community look like in 10 years? And what will our faith as a people, as a body of Christ, look like in 10 years. 
using our imaginations and what we know of God in our lives? What do we hope our photo, our prophetic imagination, would tell us about ourselves, what we hope to be 10 years from now? What experiences or relationships do we hope to see made real? What justice do we hope to see created in the world? of the prophet to justice and kindness and walking humbly with God seems like a beautiful place to start. And as I think about this idea in my own life, in this church, in our community, as I was thinking about this this past week, I went back to some of Dr. King's writings. He had quite a wisdom that could cultivate a prophetic imagination, to see a world whose heart is full of grace. So I want to close with King's own words from three different works. One One about about forgiveness and one about love. On fear, because the meaning of justice will always be challenged by fear. On forgiveness, because we cannot love kindness if we cannot forgive. And on love, because love must be our identity if we are truly to walk humbly with God. So first, Dr. King on fear. People fail to get along because they fear each other, and they fear each other because they don't know each other, and they don't know each other because they have not communicated. And then on forgiveness, Dr. King said, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. Those who are devoid of the power to forgive are devoid of the power to love, and there is some good in the worst of us, and there is some evil in the best of us. And when we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Finally, on love, Dr. King says. Now, there is a final reason that I think Jesus says, love your enemies. And it is this, that love has within it a redemptive power. There is a power that eventually transforms individuals. Just keep being friendly to that person. Just keep loving them. And they can't stand it too long. Oh, they react in many ways in the beginning. They react with guilt feelings, and sometimes they'll hate you a little more in that transition period. But just keep loving them. By the power of your love, they will break down under the load. That's love, you see. It is redemptive, and this is why Jesus says love. There's something about love that builds up and is creative. There is something about hate that tears down and is destructive. Your enemies. And may we remember that these gifts that God gives to those who seek to fully live God's grace, God pours that grace into our hearts that we may see justice, that we may live our lives rooted in loving kindness, that we might be a people who make a journey with God, always with one another, humility that Christ gives us.
May we spend the next 10 years with such a prophetic imagination. These things would guide us into another world that God dreams, in which God envisions that is the one right God all of our days as we do so. Amen.